We're going to start in Luke 15 this morning, Luke chapter 15. We're not going to do a study. We're going to be in the prodigal son to start with. We're not going to study this. It's not an expository sermon like what we usually do, but uh, it's going to inform what we're going to be looking at today. Today, I want to talk to you about how to have a better new year. You already had a happy new year. Well, I want to give you a better new year, the best new year ever, the best 2022 you've ever had, and that is starting the new year right with God. How to start the new year right, right with God. That's a better new year. And, and the parable of the prodigal son will help us. Let's start in Luke 15, verse 11. And he said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey to a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now, when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I'm dying here with hunger? I will get up and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf, kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. But now remember, a certain man had two sons. His older son was in the field. When he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to his father, look, for so many years I have been serving you. And the word for serve here is actually the word for slave. I have been slaving for you and I have never neglected a command of yours. That's a strange relationship, isn't it? Strange talk for father and son. I've been slaving for you, obeying your commands, and yet you've never given me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, not my brother, when your son comes home who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you've always been with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice for this brother of yours. Not just my son, he's your brother. Your brother was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. I love New Year's. This is one of my favorite times of the year because it's kind of like a, a fresh start, new beginning every year. It's a great time to look back over the last year to remember, to reflect, to evaluate, to assess, uh, learn some lessons, what needs to change, what went right, what went wrong. And then you get a fresh, a clean slate in the year ahead. We can set goals, make plans, 
Here's what we're going to do different. Here's how we can improve. I mean, just, it's just a good time of year. I just love this time of year. Well, this morning, I want us to think about planning ahead for the best year ever. And the best way, the, the, the best start to this new year is to start right with God. Start right with God. That's the best new year you'll ever have. Start right with God. A certain man had two sons. Now, you know the story. It's very familiar. And you know the prodigal son, and he went off to a far country, made a holy mess, an unholy mess, but he came to his senses. He repented, came home to the father, and the, and the moral of the story is that the father didn't reject him but received him. And the father saw him afar off and ran out to meet him, embraced him, kissed him, and restored him. And, you know, we call it the parable of the prodigal son, but it's really the parable of the loving father. And it's about our father in heaven. That's the whole point of that parable. It's all about our father. And our father is looking for those who want to come home. You want to come to the father? He's, he's, he's already heading in your direction. The Bible says you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. You take a step toward God, he's already moving towards you. <laughs> and that, so there's, the, there's the, the, the prodigal. He was a long way from God. But when he turned around and came to, the father ran out to meet him. But a certain man had two sons. There was another son who was where he was supposed to be, doing all those things he was expected to do, but he wasn't right either. This is a dysfunctional family. So even though this son stayed home and he, and he did all those things he was supposed to be doing, he wasn't right with the father he wasn't right with the family. He was angry. He was bitter. He was, he was resentful. And he's out there sulking on the porch. But again, the loving father goes out to him too and tells him, we got to make this right. Let's fix this. You need to come back in as well. Well, this morning, maybe you're one of those two, <laughs> maybe one of those two characters. Maybe you're far from God. I want you to know you can come to him today. He will love you. He'll receive you. You come to him on his terms. You repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He will receive you. He will forgive you. And you can be a child of God. Or maybe, maybe you're where you're supposed to be and you're doing all those things you're expected to do, but you know in your heart you're not right. And you're angry and you're bitter and you're resentful. You're frustrated. You've got a bad attitude. Well, let's fix that. And let's start this new year right, right with God. So if you have your bulletin, there's not a, a listening guide on the back panel. <laughs> I had COVID. <laughs> I, was, uh, I didn't have a voice on Wednesday, so I didn't know if I was going to be able to preach or not. So I didn't know, so we just left the sermon page blank. So if you want to, you can take notes the old-fashioned way, and I'll, I'll walk you through it. But let me give you some steps on how to start this new year right with God. Here's the first step. Track your trajectory. Track your spiritual trajectory. You're going to have to find yourself on the map. <laughs> where are you? Where have you been and where are you going spiritually? In other words, make a, an honest spiritual assessment. Where are you spiritually? Now, let me, give you some, let me give you some questions to help you with this. The first question is, are you saved? Are you saved? Do you have a faith relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that shapes and defines your entire life? Now, I didn't ask you, have you ever prayed this prayer and joined the church and been baptized? That's a separate question. You can do all those things and not be saved. I know from personal experience. <laughs> have you been saved? 
And the question is, do you have a vital faith relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you know and love Jesus Christ? Do you have that relationship with him? If you think you're saved, what makes you think you're saved? How do you know you're saved? Why do you think you're saved? Nail it down. Make sure, are you a child of God? The Bible tells us all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, all of us. We're all guilty. We're condemned in our sins. Our sins have separated us from God, condemned us to an eternity apart from God. We just celebrated Christmas, but God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son in the most amazing way to die on the cross for our sins so that we might be reconciled to God. He died in our place on that cross, paying for our sins so that we could be forgiven and receive God's gift of eternal life. And that's how you're saved. You turn from your sin and you turn to Jesus in repentance and faith. Turn from the way you've been living. I don't want to live for myself anymore. I don't want to live the way the the world says for me to live anymore. I'm not going to live in a life characterized by sin and selfishness. I want to live for Jesus. And I I turn to Jesus Christ in repentance and faith. And you turn to him and put your faith and trust in him. That he's the son, son of God. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. And you trust him to save you. You trust him to forgive your sins, save your soul, and to be your Lord. That's how you're saved. Have you done that? Do you have that vital relationship with Jesus Christ? That's where you need to start. And if not, if you're not sure, that's the first order of business today. Don't leave here today until you know that you know. And if you have questions or if you have doubts about your salvation, or if you want to make sure, or if you know you need Jesus, at the end of this message, we'll have a hymn of decision. You need to come forward and say, I, I, got, I got to nail this down. I need to know. I want to know. How can I know? And don't leave here today without knowing that you know heaven is your home. Jesus is your Savior. Second question. If you are saved, where have you been and where are you now in your spiritual journey? I mean, where are you tracking in your spiritual life? Now, if you've been saved for, for, for any length of time, and if we can step back and kind of graph our spiritual lives, it would probably look something like this. That's kind of how it goes, isn't it? There are seasons to life. There are rhythms in life. That's true in our spiritual life. There are ups and downs. There are mountain peaks. There are valleys. And there are highs and there are lows. But there ought to be a, a, a trend line, as they would say. Now, I know you can't quantify your spiritual life and things like that. But there ought to be a, a general trend line. Let me put it this way. Are you closer now? Are you closer to God now? than you were, or was there a time when you were closer to God than you are now? What's the trend line? Are you getting closer to the Lord? Are you growing in Christ? Adrian Rogers used to say, if there was a time in your life when you were closer to God than you are now, you're backslidden. (laughs) So if, if there was a time in your life when you were closer to God, what changed? What changed? Um, when, when did it change? What's going on? If I could hazard a guess, I suspect your testimony would probably go something like this. Well, we used to be really involved in church. Now we're not. Well, we used to give. Now we don't. I used to share my faith, but I haven't in a long time. I used to read my Bible, but I don't have time now. We used to be involved in ministry and now we don't. That's probably how that goes. Here's some signs of spiritual stagnation. Spiritual stagnation looks like this. You stop giving. You stop loving. Stop serving. Um, stop, stop, uh, stop growing. 
Stop changing. You see, the evidence of, of spiritual growth is transformation, not information. Now, we prefer information because information is a lot easier than transformation. Transformation can be painful. Information makes us look good, sound good, and feel good. I went through five Bible studies this year. How many did you do? <laughs> you know, I mean, I got all kinds of information. What do you want to know? Ask me a question. I can help you. I mean, you can have a head full of Bible knowledge. I mean, you could have a degree in theology and be a spiritual baby. The evidence of spiritual growth and maturity is transformation. Here's what that looks like. Here, here are some evidences of, of spiritual growth. Giving that is more generous and more cheerful. Yeah, I was already giving, but I was giving because I was told to, I was taught to, or I was afraid not to, or whatever. But now I give generously and I give cheerfully because God has given me so much. Or, or ministry involvement. It, it comes more easily, it, more, more readily, more, more exciting. What do you want me to do? Where can I serve? Where can I be involved? Rather than, well, I guess I have to teach the second graders. Nobody else will. So, no, where, where can I plug in? I want to be involved. Or forgiving. Forgiving comes easy, more easily, more readily. Are you a scorekeeper or a forgiver? You know, used to be a scorekeeper. You hurt me and, you know, I'm, I'm keeping track, you know. Uh, or you did me wrong and I don't get mad, I get even. But now I've learned how to forgive. And you know what? I don't have to keep score. God will keep the score. And I don't have to get even. That's, that's God's business. And I can forgive. I can forgive. Loving people easily or more. Um, the love of God shed abroad in your heart. You find it easier to love people with the love of Christ. I mean, that, that's transformation. That's God at work in your life. You're changing. You sin less. You sin differently. You're more sensitive to sin in your life. Now, in Baptist life, we don't believe that you'll ever be sinless this side of heaven. Now, there are some groups out there who, who teach what's called entire sanctification. That is to say that you can, you can, you can grow so much spiritually in this lifetime, right here, right here and now, you can grow so much spiritually, you can be so sanctified that you actually get to the point that you stop sinning. Baptists are not that optimistic. And I can tell you in 30 years of pastoring, I've never seen anybody like that in a Baptist church. <laughs> no, we, we keep sinning. One day we'll see him as he is and we'll be made like him and we'll be rid of sin once and for all. Then we'll stop sinning. But in the meanwhile, yeah, we still sin. However, even though you won't be sinless, you can still sin less. And, and there ought to be a change. As you grow in Christ, there ought to be a change in the temptations that get you and the sins that you commit. There ought to be a change. There are some sins that, that are characteristic of youthfulness or immaturity. There are other sins that are more characteristic of maybe old age. The, 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 the temptations that get you now really ought to be different from the temptations that used to trip you up. There ought to be a change. And you ought to have a growing awareness of sin in your life. As you grow in Christ, when, when you do sin, man, you know it. The Holy Spirit's all over you, and man, you just know, as soon as you say it, I should not have said that. That was just 
I shouldn't, that should not have come out of my mouth. You just know it that quick. Or you know your attitude's wrong. You know, hey, you know I, I feel the way I feel, but it's a bad attitude. Um, and you know it. Or, or when you do something you shouldn't be doing, I shouldn't have done that. What's wrong with me? Why did I even do that? You know it just that quick. Those are all evidences of spiritual growth. Point is, track your trajectory. Your trajectory. Where are you? Where are you coming from? Where are you going? Do you see signs of spiritual stagnation or spiritual growth and transformation in your life? So that's the first step. Number two, if you want to start the new year right with God, right with God, number two, take out the trash. Again, this is part of that self-assessment, but now it's the next step. Get brutally honest with yourself before God, and let's take out the trash. Is there any unconfessed sin in your life? If so, confess it. Now, to confess means to say the same thing as. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, that's written to Christians. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the word confess there, literally, it's a compound word, means to speak the same. To say the same thing as, to speak the same thing. In other words, you call your sin what God calls your sin. No excuses, no rationalizations. What's well, the way I was raised? Well, it's because of my spouse, or it's my genetics, or it's where I'm from. No, it's sin. It's just sin. Call it what God calls it. It's sin. It's conduct unbecoming a Christian, and God, I, I, I confess it. And implied in that confession is, I don't want to do this anymore. Lord, help me not to do this anymore. There's repentance as well. Let me give you some homework. Here's your homework assignment. You were hoping for a homework assignment. Here you go. Happy New Year. Go home and pray Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Here's what that says. Search me, O God. And know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Test me, know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You go home and pray that. Now, don't just read it to him. He's already read it. <laughs> don't, don't just read it to him, but you pray that. Lord, search me. Test me. Know me. And Lord, show me what is in my life that shouldn't be here. Any wicked way, any unconfessed sin. And then you better sit down and buckle up and hang on. Because he'll show you. And he'll show you those things that you didn't know were there. Or, you had, or, or things you knew were there and you pretended they weren't there. <laughs> but he'll show you those things. And as he does, confess it. Call it what God calls it and repent of it. Secondly, under, under taking out the trash... It, oh, excuse me, I forgot something. And then pray Psalm 51. So after you pray Psalm 139, 23, and 24, and God searches you and tries you and shows you, then pray Psalm 51. It's a great psalm of contrition and repentance. Again, don't just read it to him. You pray through Psalm 51. Now, is there any regarded sin in your life? Any unconfessed sin, you already confess it. Is there any regarded sin in your life? And if so, discard it. What do you mean regard? Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. How's that for a precious Bible promise? If I regard any iniquity in my heart, 
the Lord will not hear me. The word regard there means to examine, to look at, to cherish, or to aim at. In other words, we might call that your pet sin. <laughs> if I regard iniquity, I, I aim at it, I like it, I cherish it. This, this is my pet sin. You know, you know, you, I've got all these sins over here. Those are bad. I, I'm not going to do those. Those are bad. They're hurtful, destructive, they're embarrassing. I would never do those kinds of things. Mm-mm. But now this sin, I like this sin. This is my pet sin. I will hug it and pet it and love it and squeeze it. I mean, this is, this is my pet sin. Don't judge me for my pet sin. You got one too. Hebrews 12 tells us to lay aside those sins that so easily beset us or that so quickly entangle us. Are you regarding iniquity in your life? You got any pet sins there? You need to relentlessly root out areas of disobedience and sin. Any regarded sin. Here's a third question under taking out the trash, step, action steps. Do you have any personal relationships that are not right? And if so, take the initiative to make them right. Now, sometimes you can't make it right. Sometimes there's somebody whom you've wronged and they don't want to hear your apology or somebody who has wronged you and they don't care. I mean, they, they, don't, they don't care if you forgive them or not. I mean, they don't, they don't want to hear it. So you can't always fix this unilaterally. It takes two to tango, but you can take the initiative. Is there anything you can do to make these relationships right? Here's an uncomfortable truth. Your relationship with God and your relationship with other people are connected. Now, we don't like that. We want to think that they're separate. I, I, my relationship with God, that's personal, it's private, it's just me and Jesus. And then y'all, y'all just y'all. And we'll get along or we won't get along. It's up to you, but now me and Jesus, we're like this. No, nope, they go together. Jesus teaches that time and time again, they go together. You can't separate them. Uh, he, Romans 12 says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. And Romans 14, we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Hebrews 12, pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. Again, these are action steps. You want to get right with God? Do everything you can to be right with people, especially your brothers and sisters in Christ. Here's a third step. So first, track your trajectory. Where are you spiritually? Number two, take out your trash. <laughs> Thirdly, decide or determine to be discontent with the spiritual status quo. Cultivate a spiritual discontent with your spiritual status quo. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for these, things, for these will be satisfied. Hunger and thirst, that's the opposite of contentment. Hunger and thirst, I can't live without it. I need, I need, I want, I got to have it. Hunger and thirsting after righteousness. We tend to be discontent with everything else in life. We tend to be discontent with money. I need more money. I want more money. I want a bigger car, newer car, bigger house, newer house, you know, a bit more food, better food. I mean, we, we, we tend to be discontent with the things that God says, be content with such things as you have. And then we tend to be content when we shouldn't be con content. We ought to be discontented with our spiritual status quo. Here's what that looks like. I want more of God. The more I know God, 
the, be the better I know the Lord, the better I want to know the Lord. The more God I, I know or experience, the more I want. The, 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 I want more faith. I'm not satisfied with this faith. I want more faith, more prayer. I want to know him better, more joy, more fruitfulness in my life. More, I just want more, more growth, I want more. Hunger and thirst after the, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There's just, so ask God to cultivate in you a, a holy hunger for more, a dissatisfaction with a spiritual status quo. And then the next step, to begin this new year right, a happy new year, the best new year ever, prioritize spiritual, your spiritual life. Prioritize your spiritual life. If you really want more, more of the things of God, the things of his kingdom. If you really want more, if you want to grow, you want to change, then prioritize your spiritual life. That means I, I've got to resolve my relationship with God has got to be the most important thing in my life. My relationship with God has got to be more important than anyone or anything else in life. That's prioritizing spiritual. You, you prioritize the, the spiritual becomes more important than the physical. Spiritual food, more important than physical food. Now, physical food's important, right? If you don't think so, come see me at noon. <laughs> You'll think it's important about lunchtime. Physical food's important. Spiritual food's more important. Uh, when I'm baptizing new believers, I'll, I'll ask them, how often do you eat every day? We well, ought to read God's Word every day. This is your spiritual food. Spiritual food's more important than physical food. Spiritual exercise is more important than physical exercise. Physical exercise is a good thing to do. You ought to do it. But spiritual exercise is even more important. Uh, spiritual comes before entertainment, like TV or books or things like this. Spiritual, oh, I'm going to get you here. Hang on. Spiritual is more important than your social media. Brother Jeff, I would love to read the Bible. I wish I could have a daily quiet time, but I just don't have time. I'm so busy. Let me help you. You have no idea. You really, I bet you, I bet you, you have no idea how much time you spend on social media. If you're on social media, you, you don't even realize how much time you scroll your feed, YouTube videos, let alone TV and things like that. So many distractions. Now, those things aren't necessarily wrong, but I'm telling you, it's a vortex that'll suck you in and pull you down. You got lots of time. You just have to prioritize. Um, spiritual comes before the financial. Money's important. Amen. Money's, money's important, but the things of God are more important. Work, you got to have a job. Work's important. It's, it's important, but spiritual things are even more important than work. You just got to decide my relationship with God is first. Prioritize. If you want to be right with God, stay right with God. Number five, make a plan. Starting this new year right with God, make a plan. We make all kinds of plans. We, we make plans for exercise routines. You know, if, if you're one of those folks who goes to the gym, you know when you go to the gym. You know where it is, and, and you're going to go on these days of the week, and you know what time you're going to go, and you know what you're going to do when you get there. I mean, you, you have a plan. You, you, we have a plan for vacation. We're going to go on vacation this summer. You, you make a plan for that. You know when you're going to go and where you're going to go, and you have a pretty good idea what you're going to do when you get there. We make plans for daily chores. I need to go to the post office. I'm going to stop by and get some gas, and I need to hit the drugstore on the way home. We've got a plan. 
Well, you ought to make a plan for your spiritual life. What's your spiritual plan? I want to grow in Christ. Have a plan. You know, the difference between a dream and a goal is a plan, isn't it? A dream is, oh, I just wish. Wouldn't it be nice? Well, maybe one day. Well, that's a dream. But then you start making plans. Well, here's what we can do. We can step one, step two, step three. Now it's not a dream anymore. It's a goal. We're taking steps toward this. Y'all do that with spiritual life. You know, I, I just wish I had more faith. Well, let's make a plan. I just wish I could grow in Christ. Make a plan. I wish I knew the Bible better. Well, let's make a plan. So start making a plan. Start here. Have a daily quiet time with God. Now, more often than not, at this, on this Sunday of the year, I'll preach on how to have a daily quiet time with God. I'm not going to do that today, obviously, uh, but I've done that many times in years past. So if you want one of those, we can get that for you. Talk to the folks out at the desk. But have a daily quiet time with God. That's, that's an action step. That's a plan. Read the Bible. Read the Bible through. Or have a plan for reading the Bible. There are a lot of ways to read the Bible. You could go from cover to cover, just start in Genesis, end up maps. I mean, you could read it from cover to cover, or you could, we came across a, a reading plan some years ago, and, and we've been doing this now several years. You could read the New Testament by Easter, and we have that set up for you. you if you want to take one home, there at the information desk, you can start today. You could read the New Testament by Easter, and that's neat. And what that does, rather than starting, okay, January 1st, I'm going to read the Bible all the way through. And then about March, you get into Leviticus and forget it. Never mind. <laughs> you know, um, but you start now, you can read the New Testament by Easter. And by Easter, now you've established a pattern. Now, now you have a habit. I read the Bible. Here's when and where I read my Bible. And then in April, after you've read the New Testament, you can start working on the Old Testament. And before you know it, you read the Bible all the way through in a year. That's a great way to do that. So if you want one of those, they're out there. That's not the only way you can read the Bible. You can read it chronologically. You can, I mean, there are all kinds of Bible plans. Get on the Internet. There's, there's 50 of them. Find one. But have a plan. I'm going to start reading the Bible through this year or read the Bible in this way. Study the Bible in this way. I want to incorporate spiritual disciplines in my life. Have a plan. I'm going I'm to have an accountability partner. So I'm going to pray that God would give me somebody in my life, who I can trust, who can ask me hard questions, honest questions, and keep my feet to the fire. I'm, I'm going to start with an accountability partner. I wanna, I'm going to develop a, a mentoring relationship. I'm going to go to Sunday school. I'm going to get involved in ministry. Or I'm going to start memorizing Bible verses. One verse a month. I'm going to start memorizing verses. Well, what are you going to memorize? And have a plan. The whole idea is have a plan. Start somewhere. There's a guy who wrote a book called Many Habits years ago. His name's Stephen Guys. And his premise was this. Sudden, drastic changes tend not to last. But small changes can add up over time and make a big change. So if you decide, I'm going to start getting fit. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to be healthy. And from now on, I'm going to go to gym four days a week. I'm going to work out for two hours at four days a week. Well, if you don't even know where the gym is, you think that's going to last? No, you might get there one time. On the other hand, what he says, start with a ridiculously small mini habit. You know what? Every day, I'm going to do one push-up. Now, who can't do one push-up? Every day, I'm going to do one push-up. So today, you jump down on the floor, you do a push-up. I feel better already. Did you see that? And then tomorrow, you do, you do a push-up. Man, I'm on a roll. I'm on fire. And then the third day, you do a push-up. Well, I'm already down here. Might as well do two. Next thing you know, you did two push-ups. And before you know it, you're doing 50 reps at a time. 
Just live, start ridiculously small. You, you're not drinking enough water. Your doctor will tell you that. You're not drinking enough water. You're mildly dehydrated. You need to drink water. Drink water, drink water. You want to lose weight? You've got to drink water. I don't even like water. Well, start with a glass of water, eight ounces. Who can't drink a glass of water a day? Oh, I'll drink a glass of water a day. Well, the next thing you know, you start drinking water with your meals. And before you know it, you're drinking the 64 ounces or 128, whatever you're supposed to be drinking every day. You're doing it. Start small. Let's, let's, bring that to, let's bring that to church. Starting tomorrow morning, I, w- I want to be like William Carey. I, I want to be like these great heroes of the faith. I'm going to get up at 4 o'clock, and I'm going to read the Bible for an hour, and I'm going to pray for an hour starting tomorrow. You know how long that's going to last? Till the alarm goes off. You know, I'll hit that snooze button, and I mean, no. If you're not used to doing that, that won't do it. Start with a ridiculously small step. You know what? Every day I'm going to read at least one verse of the Bible. One verse. Who can't read one verse? And I'm going to pray for one minute. That's, that's ridiculously small. Start there. And then next thing you know, one verse isn't enough. i got to find out. You get in a story like the Good Samaritan or, or, or the Prodigal Son. Oh, i got to know what happens. I can't just read one verse and quit. i got to say, how, where's this going to go? Next thing you know, you can't just read one verse. And you start talking to God, well, you got so much to tell him, one minute won't do it. And next thing you've, you develop, a, just start somewhere. Have a plan. Well, next, last thing, spend time with God today. Spend time with God today. Enjoy God today. And enjoy today with God. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. You can't change the past. You can't live in the past. You can't control the future. You can't predict the future. You don't even know if you're going to have it tomorrow, but you got today. And today, you can walk with God. Today, you can enjoy God. I I love the, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, famously phrased, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. I love that. I mean, that's, that's a classic gem. The chief end of man, that is to say the meaning of life, the purpose of life. Why am I here? You're here to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's the chief end of man. Well, you can glorify God and enjoy him today. Start today. Today is the day the Lord has made. A certain man had two sons. This was a, it was a jacked-up family. Neither son was in a right relationship with the father. One of them was a long way off doing things he shouldn't have been doing. But he came to his senses and he came home. He turned around, changed direction, came home, and the father ran out to meet him. Maybe that's you this morning. You're a long way from God and you know it. And you've been out there doing some things you know you shouldn't have been doing. And it seems like God is a million miles away. But I want you to know, you turn in his direction, he's already heading your way. He'll come out to meet you. He'll embrace you. He'll receive you. He'll forgive you. He'll restore you. You come home to him. Have you been saved? Maybe you're saved, but man, you're sideways, and you know it. Today's the day to get right. Get right with God. Start this new year right. A certain man had two sons. The other son was where he was supposed to be, doing all those things he was expected to do, but he wasn't right with the father. He had a wrong attitude toward his father, toward his brother. He was a mess. And the father came out to him as well. This ain't right. 
Maybe that's you. You're where you're supposed to be, and you do all those things you're expected to do, but you're mad about it. You're angry. You're resentful. You're frustrated. You've got a bad attitude. It, it just ain't right. Well, today, let's start a new year right, right with God. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, God, we thank you. We love you. We worship you for being that kind of a father who rushes out to welcome the prodigal son who has gone so far and, and made such a mess. And yet when, when the son comes home, you're that father who rushes out to meet him, falls on his neck, kisses him, and celebrates his return. Lord, we love you for being that kind of a God. And I pray for the one who's far from you today, that today that they would hear your love, see their sin, and that today they would repent and come to you. Lord, we thank you also that you're the father who comes out on the porch to reconcile with the one who's not, not right, doing all the right things and saying all the right things, but not right. Lord, I pray for the Christian who's the older brother on the porch and that today would be that day of a new beginning and a fresh start. I want to be right. So, Lord, I pray that you'd seal this message to our hearts, that we'd take it to heart, take it home with us, and, Lord, we'd start this, this new year with a fresh new beginning with you. Take charge of this time of decision. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.